1%. My body clock has run out of batteries and the convenience store is closed till morning. I guess I'll just have to lie here, asleep. Lie here, asleep. Lie here, asleep. Dreamt we were married. If you ask me what I dreamt, I'll say I killed you. Dreamt we were married. I love you. Sometimes I don't feel like a human being, just an animal walking the earth, touching doorknobs and looking through glass, waiting for a man in a black suit to lock me up so he can give me pills that make me say things like, I'm indifferent to stuff. So before I am taken away, let me tell you one thing. Next time you see a tree, Go touch it, feel its bark, its leaves. You can touch trees, even if the tree isn't your own. Please remember this, so when I am gone, I will live on in the simple act of people touching trees. I love you. Dreamt we were married. I definitely realised something today, either that I'm one part of a massive, omnipotent, intelligent animal that breathes all around the earth, or that I'm really gullible and have been for my whole life. I scroll down your blog with my thumb gliding across your face and even if it uses all my data I will follow you to the end of the internet. Like clap-on lights, blimps and skywriting this is all above my head and quietly wrong. My ears are ringing and my hands are wrung for this has become much bigger than me. I am the astral actor for an unseen decision made on my behalf. Two ghosts nodding in a room. I went to the store and came back in love. I picked up a penny and something happened.
In the past, a monk sat alone in a room. It was just before dawn. The room was damp and cold. Condensation from the monk's breath running down the grey stone of the walls. He had stayed awake for yet another night, looking at the lines on his hands, imagining an old man even more tired and weathered than himself, breaking into the earth with a sharp stone. He holds white-knuckled in his grip. The old man carves the lines through the cold dirt as large as the Nile and as small as the creases on the monk's palm, the old man being God. The monk had been doing this all night. Ogling at the clumsy folds of his inner wrist up to the water ripples of his fingertips, to the skin and the blue-gray veins underneath it, he felt as if he hadn't blinked in hours. And then, dawn broke. A beam of light that had been trembling on the outer wall of the abbey for minutes finally threw itself into the room. In the half-second between the down of his hands and the bluish gold of the light, he saw love, death, heaven, bread, wine, milk, honey, rubies, garnets, velvet, and every other possible colour. He shouted aloud, covering his eyes, blinking hard and fervently, not even sure if he wanted the visions to go or stay. He looked around the room with exhilaration and fear, eyes focusing back on the accoutrements of his life. A bed, a chair, a jug with water in it, a brass cross on the wall, loaded with every meaning possible. Everything was grey and brown once more. From that, he knew he would never see those ecstatic colours again, but he would go on to spend the rest of his years in futile pursuit, like a man 1,700 years later, trying to call a dealer, or that woman from the Genius Bar, with eyes like sour apple candy. I love you. I love you. Dreamt we were married. Dreamt we were married. Dreamt we were married. I love you. Dreamt we were married. Dreamt we were married. Dreamt we were married. I love you. Dreamt we were married. 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 I love you. I love you. There are drums in your dreams that allow you to see in the world's neat, small formation of fears that you can't even speak or as life to repeat, only capture in words like one captures the sea. Your cage is the beach. It's dry and it's smooth, but it's begging for sandcastles built up from bleach. Your hands like a crumble. Under the hard surface, you're soft and you're sweet. Believe me, I'm hungry. For you, you for me. Only in dreams. In dreams we can be. So let's dream. And let's be. The seminar was fine. I wasn't feeling too well, so I didn't say much. I didn't really say anything, actually. I said nothing. I sat there for three hours and didn't say anything. 
I hadn't been sleeping well. Not well at all, really. I'd barely been sleeping, actually. I was on a come down. I felt terrible. Someone in the seminar made some point about internet chat rooms being like something else. I was trying to hear what she was saying. The whole room looked like it had a film grain over it. Every point people made sounded like I was tuning in between two radio stations, leaving the cold tap on a sink until the temperature was right, but never getting there. It was like some other things, but I was too tired to think. I was just smiling and nodding through the whole thing. I felt like if I looked engrossed enough and like I was enjoying myself, no one would drag me into the conversation and make an idiot out of me because I'm just loving hearing everybody talk so much. Or maybe I was giving off such a pestilent vibe that people took my sweaty grin for total delirium and ignored me because of that. I was wearing pajamas that looked passingly like regular clothes. Is it delirium or delirium? I was so ill that I was only in the seminar because I had to use all my self-certification days when I got stuck in Berlin from losing my passport in a club. I felt like I hadn't had a conscious thought in days. Hours expanded out in front of me as if I was in a time warp and I was living weeks within a second. I felt dizzy and exhausted. I was sweating like someone who had licked the back of a poisonous frog for a YouTube video. I had never paid attention in seminars, but usually that's fun. This time just felt like watching a terrible film in VR while being in a terrible sauna. At some point the chatter faded to a close and I heard the whoosh click of people shutting MacBooks and the zip zip of people opening bags. I had somehow survived the whole three hours without anyone picking on me to answer a question. I waited around until everyone left, then I slowly made my way back home, where I planned to chug a bottle of night nurse and fall asleep on the couch. I came to a part of the road home that had a pedestrian crossing at a busy intersection. Whenever I went past, the red man was always there for so long that I couldn't help but think that I only ever really existed at that crossing, and the rest of my life is just what people mean when they say imagination. I tried to remember what my seminar was about. A bus full of rowdy drunk people went past, and the bus sprayed me with black rainwater and veered into the direction of the town centre. The man turned green. I made it home, into my pod. For some reason, upon walking through the door, I felt slightly worse than I did out on the street. I was soaked with black water, so I decided to take a shower. I went into the bathroom and turned it on. Standing there, still fully clothed, as the room filled with steam, I saw something dark among the white tiles in the corner of the bathtub. I moved over to it and leaned in through the mist. It was black mold. It was a massive black mold that was growing in the adhesive between the tiles on the walls. I felt tired. I wanted to get the shower over with so I could take something and go to bed. Then I found myself in the shower. I had my back to the head, looking at the back wall of the bathroom. I could see the black mold through the mist, in the corner of my vision, like a blind spot. I imagined the black mold as the eyeball of a great all-knowing monster, looking up into the shower through a hole in the pod. I imagined the black mold as a crack in the wall, behind which a black void existed and did not exist. I could put my finger in it and wiggle it around, with no consequences whatsoever. My body was growing heavy from the tiredness and the saturation of my clothes. 
I realized I'd left them on. As I stared at the black mold, it began to grow, and I felt afraid, but then realized it was just my vision blacking out, and I relaxed, and then was afraid again. Realizing I had little time to act before I passed out completely, I mashed my hand against the buttons of the shower, turning the water cold, then off, then on, and hot again. I scrambled my way out and kneeled on the floor, blinking and breathing and willing my vision to restore itself. In my last few moments of consciousness, I saw there was also black mold on the adhesive that fixed the bath to the wall. The black mold was what was making me sick, not the drugs and the insomnia and the pot noodles. Without knowing it, a fungus had infested my apartment and was trying to kill me from the outside in. In that moment, I knew I was living within something sick and it was not my fault I was doing so badly. It was the mold. There was mold in the bathroom and the seminar room and in the club where I lost my passport. There was mold in the shop and on the clothes and in my bed. There was mold in Brittany Murphy's house and it killed her and her husband. Mold ruined my third year and it ruined Clueless. Lying on the floor, my clothes sodding wet and hot with the shower beating down into the bath behind me. I smiled. I could feel real sleep finally coming to me. The sound of the shower reminded me of Florida, of listening to shells on the beach, and going to Disney World when I was nine, drinking an Arnold Palmer in a glass with a light at the bottom. I knew it wasn't my fault.
myself, bleary-eyed in the wind, on the shore with her. It feels like the start of spring. It is cold, but we are wearing coats. She is walking three steps ahead. She hands me a starfish. She says, this is a good one. Put it away in your pocket. I place it there and feel that there are others inside. Ahead, there are no houses or flags, just stones and white sand that stretch and expand, then roll out forever, like sacred text on a scroll. I look at the water and observe its coming and running away, its taking and giving back, and a slow epiphany pours itself onto me. There is nothing beyond the water, or past the sandbank that stands parallel to its edge. There is only she and I, and the infinite stretch of shore. She crouches down to pick something up, and I start to cry with a smile. There will always be starfish. There will always be space in my pocket. I find myself bleary-eyed in the wind. I love you. lucid dream in a while. I dreamt about nothing and rolled around in it forever. Got a gig working as a pantomime actress in some seaside town over winter. I got incredibly depressed and every day when I was being driven to the theatre over an impossibly high and rickety bridge I would fantasize about the car falling off and being remembered for my beautiful poetry rather than dressing up as a man in a two-star production of Mother Goose stumbled upon a guy giving out Alpro Soya chocolate yogurts. It's getting dark and he still has lots left, so I get given loads. I'm excited because I can share them with my friends. At a Tesco Extra, I met a male model slash cashier named Cohen, who told me that my points had been stolen by my ex-girlfriend to buy a massage. I offered Cohen Seaside Rock, which he accepted. Later, we saw a drunk man in a monster truck destroy a small car outside of a corner shop. Soon after, three men escaped from the shop with stolen petty groceries, mainly Q-tips, and left in the truck. Watching Match of the Day, saw Daniel Day-Lewis playing for West Ham. Asked my dad how he can be an actor and still play for a top-flight football team. Then I thought about the guy in One Direction, who was given a shirt number for Doncaster Rovers but he doesn't really play, does he? Mum wanted to quit her job and play saxophone, so I went to a pawn shop to buy her one. In the middle of negotiations, a guy came in and opened fire, and I hid under a table, western saloon style. A piece of shrapnel hit me just below the eye, and I woke up. 
had a dream where I saw a clip from the new Top Gear called New Gear, and they set fire to loads of cows and drove a car near them. Two films happening at once, taking up half a screen, about the same thing from both a masculine and feminine perspective. The story was about a polyamorous woman who dated both a man and a woman. The opening scene was a woman applying lipstick, and on the other side, a man smoking a cigarette. Lots of things happened on the roofs of buildings at night. It ended with a single image of a rose. The Sleepy By Alex Rushforth and Rosalie Gardner Connellis Music and Production by Alex Rushforth
dreamt we were married. If you ask me what I dreamt, I'll say I killed you. <laughs> 